Hello there, friends. I'm Richard Kisnan. We all knew it was coming. Adulthood, relationships and marriage, business, health, money, bills, fitness. If you're like me, we didn't think that life would come at us like this. I welcome you to join me for raw, authentic, and hopefully really fun conversations about coming into your own as an adult and to help you create a powerful life of your design. This is the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. Hello, AR Nation. How are you? Richard Kiston here, and I'm glad to welcome you back to the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. I hope you're doing well. Uh, today, we've got a very special guest with us. It's Will Clanton, Will Clanton of Precise Management. Um, I've gotten to know Will over the, believe it or not, last two years now it's been. Um, two years? We're actually wow. members in the same networking group. Uh, if anyone out there is also a member of a BNI chapter, we're, a member, uh, we're members of a BNI chapter here in New York City. Uh, Will, for a while, bookkeeping, but also uh, services small businesses, helping them to uh, sort of identify strategies to deploy systems to help them scale to six and seven figures and beyond. Um, so, Will, welcome to the Adulthood Revisit podcast. Man, Rich, thank you so much. Thanks for just for having me on the show, man. Um, I appreciate being here and just uh, kicking it with you and just chopping it up a little bit. Sweet. Um, so I'll, I'll be very frank. I mean, one of the reasons why I reached out to you about being on the podcast is I, uh, at the time of this recording, where are we? April 1st, 2020. Um, I think like the world, suffice it to say, and New York City, uh, we're going through something unprecedented here, right? With, with shutdown, right. lockdowns, quarantine. Um, and particularly it's showing sort of the vulnerabilities that solopreneurs and small businesses have been facing with respect to cash reserves, marketing funnels and whatnot. So the, as soon as I thought like, how can I deliver something that might make sense to small businesses, solopreneurs and whatnot, you popped right into my mind. Um, I know that you and I have had a couple of conversations before you've encouraged me to sort of think about automating, think about deploying systems. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't, right? And so I, I just want to, you know, this episode really get it out there to those of those members of the audience that have their own business and maybe they've waited until now um, that they find themselves vulnerable to sort of, uh, you know, maybe take some advice from someone who does this on a daily basis with their business and, and finding ways that, you know, help systems stick in their businesses and in lives particularly. Right, 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 right. Yeah, Rich, I, I think it's, uh, I think right now the place where small business owners is that we are really managed in a crisis, right? And that takes a certain level of leadership. So let me, let me start there on, on that part. I think business owners need to get into the first of mind frame. I think one of the reasons why most don't grow, uh, they don't think of being the leader in their business. Um, and, and being that leader in the business, there's a responsibility and accountability of business that you need to think through things for yourself and you know how do i actually begin to drive this business in such a position uh when things come my way you know i can pivot or prepare for them uh so i think what you're seeing right now in new york city no one thought COVID 19 was gonna hit right and we well, this is the first time ever i think right that i've been alive that the government has literally sent an executing order that who can operate and who cannot operate. Right. Um, 
So that puts small business owners, I believe, in a, in a huge challenge because now you have a government order saying if you can operate or not. And I think, you know, we've been exposed, right? All of us have been exposed to now where are the weaknesses at? Where are the weaknesses in my business that I didn't think about before this crisis hit? And I think one big point here that we can think about is, hey, how do we move forward with this? So the question becomes, what can I, what have my business been exposed to, right? And now how do I put structure in place that I'm never at this place ever again? Right. And I, like, I'll admit, I'm in the same position. Um, before we move forward, though, Will, I want to, I, I, I sort of hinted it at the intro um, in the open, but why don't you give the audience members uh, just a little history, like who you are, why we should be listening to you, the kinds of businesses that you've had uh, the opportunity to work with, and how you service them? Yeah, I, I think it's a, a great question there, Rich. And, and I, I think the first part, and my philosophy is, you know, um, I don't ever want to actually practice something on someone else and haven't practiced on myself or I haven't actually seen it for another business owner. Um, and I think that's real key for me, you know. Um, so for my lane, where I really operate at is connecting with really service professionals. That is the, the brick and mortar of my business to actually work with service professionals um, who's looking to scale and actually grow businesses. Um, and, you know, I got, you know, my background, Rich, is that, can I, can I tell you the truth on this podcast, Rich? Or yep. Can I, can I? Yep, absolutely, can I, man. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you the real story? Um, I think I was in a, in a situation wherein um, I got an opportunity to intern, you know, at a CPA firm, which is a management consultant firm, um, that everyone doesn't get. And it was at a point in time in my life, man, when I was down and out, right, wherein, um, I had a kid who was born on January 10th out of wedlock. Um, and dude, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was in a freaking crisis yeah. because I was like, hey, I didn't want to be a deadbeat dad. But now I'm in this position. And for some reason, I just had a fax machine in my house. Don't know why I had that fax machine in my house. And I just started faxing. This, was, just fax this is how long ago you had the fax machine? <laughs> this is, this is, yeah, yeah. Because, right, because no one has fax machines anymore. Just about... Uh, <laughs> Uh, this was 22 years ago. All right. Uh, 22 years ago, I got this fact sheet in my house that was like 19, uh, where are we at? We, I don't even know the dates anymore, right. but it was, it was a while ago. It was a while ago. <laughs> um, and, and I got one of these fax machines. Nobody had fax machines back in the day. Not in their house. Businesses did, right? Businesses had fax machines. Who had one in their house? So I'm kind of just looking through the newspaper, desperate as, so desperate, man. Like, hey, well, who can I fax my resume over to? And this firm called me. And at that time, you know, I was, you know, I was in college for school, but I really wasn't serious, Rich. I was kind of playing around. I think my major at that point in time was spades. So you talk about Dudhood revisiting, man. <laughs> I was freaking majoring in spades, but I should have been majoring in accounting. Um, so this... I, I, I get to this place and, you know, you know, when you're desperate, man. I didn't even know I was going. They just gave me the address. I was there. And I kind of went out for the interview and it was a CPA firm. Uh, what was interesting about it, not only was it a CPA firm, but they also had a management firm. Um, and that management firm that I went to, I want to say, gave me most of my experience. So it gave me a great foundation uh, of what I learned. 
So, you know, the one thing that happened when I went there, I was going for an intern position. You know, I was supposed to be packing boxes. And the girl at the front desk, I guess she took a liking to me. She looked at my uh, resume, saw that um, I was in school for accounting. She said, take the accounting test. So it's all right. I'll, I'll take the accounting test. Man, I looked at the test. The test was so hard, man. I did what anybody would do in that situation, Rich. I just broke down. I just prayed because I didn't know what else to do, dude. I, was like, like, I didn't hey, learn this in spades 401. What's going yeah, on here? Exactly. 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 The, the prerequisite of spades didn't set me up for this opportunity, <laughs> Rich. I was in trouble. I was drowning at that point. Um, but I took the test, man, and I just prayed. And I remember her coming back out to me at the test over says, what are you, a genius? I'm like, what the heck? So it, it felt as, you know, it was just right time, right fit. It felt like, hey, this was, this was my calling. You know, the next thing that, that happened there with that story is that you get the, the message that, hey, because first she said I was going to have an interview and I was going to meet with partners. And then she came back out and says, well, these guys are too busy. They can't meet with you. So I actually leave to go get on the elevator. And when I go down an elevator, I get off the wrong floor. I actually went to the basement. So I had to come back upstairs. When I came back upstairs, she comes running down. says, wait, 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 they can meet with you now. And Rich, I don't know about you, man, but I'm an introvert. And my heart is freaking pounding out of my chest, man. I was trying to hold it in because I, I felt as if she could hear my heart. Because <laughs> I'm like, man, I got to talk to people. And this was my like my first real interview man yeah. ever so i go and sit down with these guys and these guys just ex explain the, the position to me and don't ask me any questions huh. so it, it was interesting so and that was kind of the start of it all because this firm that i was at um not only was i doing accountant work but these guys were doing management work for a lot of healthcare doctors attorneys so that management work that they was doing you know i was getting hands-on experience and and then at that point, I was there and I said, I guess I need to get serious about this accounting thing and really work on my degree and stop focusing on spades. Yeah. So, so that was the, the setup. That was a setup for, you know, that led me kind of where I'm at. So that was the foundational pieces of it. Let me ask you, while you were there, um, what kind, I know you mentioned there like, like lots of medical offices, lawyers' offices and whatnot. Um, what were the sort of size of, of I, obviously they're going to vary and you might've had like, yeah, solopreneurs and and maybe I don't I don't know what the largest uh, kind of office or practice have been, but yeah. On that, what kind of clients were the size? Maybe the the kinds of were they new businesses? Were they long established businesses? What you know when you were working with them? What kind of what kind of entities were you in? Yeah, there there was a mixture, but you know at this particular firm, um, you know it was a lot of healthcare, it was a lot of dentists, yeah. uh, practitioners there, and then it, it kind of varied. So what you usually had was the the technician, which is the dentist or the doctor who was the owner of that business, and then they would have staff. You know, four or five staff members is really how it's made up. We also serviced some some bigger clientele wherein, you know, the staff was between 30 and 50 employees uh, that was on staff. But in that, in that area, in that view of my life, it was really the whole healthcare practitioner thing, uh, which gave me a solid foundation there. Got it. Very cool. All right. So you're there, you're like getting your work done, digging in into the business, accounting, forget spades as a, as a, as a profession, like <laughs> accounting seems to be a calling. So you're working way up. Uh, then what? Dude, I got, you, you know how you work at a place and rich, man, you start feeling yourself a little bit. 
I kind of started feeling myself because I was, I was there maybe about four or five years. Um, I was probably the, the youngest team member there. And I kind of wanted to see bigger and better things, right? Yeah. The firm size that I was at was probably, it was probably about uh, eight to 10 of us on staff. And I kind of wanted to go out and, you know, spread my wings and, and see something bigger and better. So I remember I started actually applying to other firms. And, you know, I, I'm a real authentic guy. Um, and wanted to, after I basically, you know, how you got to call out, you have to call out say, cause you have an interview. So an interview to call out. Right. And I come in the next day and they're like, Hey, where were you yesterday? I'm rich. It's stupid. Me. Yo, I'm young. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for another opportunity. Um, so basically when I, when I actually said that to them, the next day they met with me and it was actually, it was a crisis. This was, um, I believe this was like nine 11, it was nine 11 time. So I kind of said that to them. I was actually looking for a job during 9-11 when, uh, when the towers hit. And um, I remember them saying to me, um, we need to lay you off. <laughs> so now I, I'm being laid off, got the pink slip, right? This is when uh, my daughter was uh, two years old. My son was one. I had freaking two kids in Pampers, one on regular mill, one on formula. And I'm, I'm freaking home. I'm like, wow, you know? Uh, so what was pretty interesting, I got to that point I had, it was set up. So this was a crisis for me, right? Yeah. But I was smiling because I kind of felt like, hey, you know, this is a new opportunity. I'm out. They kicked me out. Okay. Um, so I actually got a call. I got a call from a firm that was number 50 in the nation. Um, and I started at that new firm like eight days later. So for, to me, it was like, hey, it was a new beginning, a new yeah. opportunity. Uh, so I went to a bigger firm uh, that I was doing a lot of um, a lot of compliance work, a lot of audit work. Uh, when I begin to see the controls and the systems that work behind the scenes um, and how to make sure fraud does not happen in your business, in your practice. So I basically went to a bigger firm that really uh, put me in front of uh, a widespread of clientele yeah. that was anything from nonprofits um, all the way to um, freight forwarders. So I got a lot of mixture of good experience at this firm. Let me ask you this: the how you said this was one of the top what top rated fifty firms in the country. So how large was this a national practice or just a local practice? But did very, they had a large office here. I'm, get, I'm just trying to get the size. Of yeah, the yeah. Yeah, th this firm, um, so when, when I was actually there, the firm was doing $50 million in revenue. Yeah. Um, so with offices in uh, New York City, um, as well as New Jersey, um, and basically the, the strategy of the managing partner was going out and actually acquiring firms. So we had a presence in White Plains, so it's kind of uh, East Coast yeah. uh, looking today. Firms much larger than that. But I was there. Basic location was White Plains, New York City office, and New Jersey, Springfield, New Jersey, uh, where the offices were, uh, were basically located. So you started off, just again, I just want to set up this roadmap here. You started off, you got your feet wet for however many years doing accounting, predominantly small business, let's say, right? Up to maybe like 30, 30 or so people. Then whatever circumstances occur, you get this new, this new job, this new firm, and you see it's, it's an organization that runs on systems. 
Yeah. Organization that runs on systems. Well, I I guess I started getting, uh, you know, internal control work. So I started to understand systems. Yeah. I wouldn't say the organization, basically the organization had some system problems that I saw there as well. Got it. Uh, but they were they were definitely an organization that had better systems than where I was at, definitely. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. I don't know if you've ever thought about this in retrospect. And then again, I want to keep letting you go to get to where you're here and then what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Did it ever occur to you, like, why did that larger office become what it was? Like, what was the difference or what were the differentiators oh. between the large office and then the office oh. that started off at? I absolutely, I can tell you the biggest difference right there. It was the leadership, right? So what I've known, what I've known going right in, and I'll give you a perfect example. We're probably like, uh, how many people I want to say? Probably employees at that firm was maybe about 200 um, at that time that I was there. And the other one was 10. It was pretty interesting, Rich. I got hired for the Springfield, New Jersey office. The managing partner of the New York office, Rich, the first time I saw him, he knew my name. He said, hey, you're Will Clanton from the New Jersey office. It was remarkable to me that he kept 200 people on staff and know who the heck I was. So it, it said a lot about him and it said a lot about his character. And it said a lot about what he was up to. And what I noticed the difference was he had a vision. He had a vision where he was actually taking the firm uh, and he had this passion to go out to grow this thing. Wherein, when I look at the firm that I came from, the managing partner was there. He was kind of lazy. He was kind of like retiring out. He really didn't want to do anymore. He did have a successful business as well, but he had no vision of what was the next step and where the business was actually going. So that was the huge differentiator for me that I saw when I was there. Yeah. And it's interesting when we started in the open, the first thing you said is that like in terms of scaling up, it's about leadership, right? It's about leadership. You're, you're, especially today, entrepreneurs are probably realizing real quickly that they have to refocus or shift their focus on leadership and vision. I, I think that's one of the, the things that we don't see that shows up in the numbers, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, Rich, you know that I, I'm always looking at the numbers to see what's happening. But I think the one of the things that don't show up there is, hey, what's going on in that business owner's head? What is he thinking about? How is he focused? What is he doing to move the needle? We don't see that. And it's hard to see that um, until, you, until you spend some time with someone in a relationship to understand where they're at, where their mindset is at. I think leadership is one of the biggest things that stops businesses from growing and scaling. Yeah. Um, interesting. So I'll, I'll just want to share this tidbit. And then again, I want to get back to yeah. where you were at the firm and then to where you are today. But again, one of the conversations you and I had maybe a couple times already is about implementing simple systems, right? One of the things you recommended for me, cause I was stressed. I, I know I, I, I've told this to you and a few other people. It's like, Oh man, I've got court here. I got this, got that. And I don't have time to like use the bathroom. Um, and I'm not making the money that I feel like I should be making seven, eight figures with the amount of work that I'm putting in, but I'm not. And when I thought about that, it's like, I could, even the, the simple thing about being a leader with respect to my phone calls, um, what's my vision for my phone calls? I, I don't want to take phone calls all the time and be pulled away and distracted from the work yet. A leader has a vision like, you know what? No, that, that work is there, but it's not for me. 
it's made for someone else. And uh, so I thought about why am I not deploying it? And it's, I, it's more, I haven't spent the time thinking about, you know, what's my vision for this practice? What's my vision for the other businesses? And how can I lead in a way that, that sort of takes me, you know, I guess brings that vision to come to pass. Yeah, it, so there, there's a lot what you just said, Rich. And knowing you, Rich, you're, you're just like me, right? And the reason why I say that, we are, we, we have this technical knowledge, right? This technical component of the business that we did. Listen, I think it's, I'm almost there and I still struggle with this every day. So I don't want to, I don't want to lie on your podcast, Rich. Yeah. Um, you're right. One of the biggest things for me was delegating. Let me go. Saying someone else is, could do this. And not me, and I struggle with it. And and I think over my 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 career, my profession, one of the things with accountants, we like to hold on to things. We like to say that we're the only one that can do this, and no one can do this better than me. So we 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 stay stuck there, and I stayed stuck there for so long. Not only is it my business, but the technical work, man. That part, I was so close to it, you know, number crunching, staying into with that numbers, and it prevented me from letting it go because I didn't trust that anybody else could do it. Yeah. So just keep it. And when I keep it, guess what happens? I can't serve a client and give them a certain level of value because it's only me. Right. And that's the reason why I think most people don't make, you know, those next numbers. It's because the work that they're doing, they have to do that. They have to answer the phones. They have to be customer service. They have to plan their calendar, their schedule. They need to actually, you know, put out any fires that's happening through the day. Uh, it's the the bumps that come up that we're just not prepared for. All of that falls on me. And when that happens, it doesn't allow you to do what you're really great at. Right? So if Rich, if you're really great at marketing. Well, I can tell you, marketing is not getting the time that it deserves because you're splitting that with the technical work of the business. Right. So the business is going to be strapped because no one, right? It's, so when I look at, when we look at other companies and other companies that have scale, what you begin to know, someone is responsible for different functions. And you don't have that one person who's responsible for everything. And, and that's why I love small business too, right? Because we have... We, we are the people that our freaking knowledge on so many different things is, is, is so much because we have to know it all when we first start now. Yeah. And, but it keeps us trapped at the same time <laughs> and it keeps us not letting it go. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a vicious circle. Um, let oh. me see this. Let's get back to hopping to how you got to here, because there are some questions I want to get to about the work you do now with the clients you do, and then maybe for the audience, um, some ha again, some hacks that um, they can start implementing today to start becoming a better leader and, and scaling up. Yeah, great, great, great point. So Rich, I, I think really where I got, so I can speed up on you and how I really actually got here, um, when I was at that firm that was number 50 in the nation, um, I got an opportunity from a client that was there um, and basically the agreement with this client was that basically he would actually pay my salary if the firm was paying um, and I can work for him one day a week. 
So that was my flight into entrepreneurship that, hey, I had this opportunity, this one client I had um, that, you know, I can actually go out on my own. Um, so I took that opportunity. I, I ran. I said, hey, you know, here, I, I'm out of here. I'm going to go and do this and start this. So that's kind of how I got into the, the, the platform to start my business. Now, with that, right, with that, Rich, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, man. You know, I, I thought I did. Yo, I, I I really thought I was the best, Rich, uh, but it, it that wasn't the case. So I knew the technical part of the job. I knew the technical component of it, but I remember um, sitting home and was like, "All right, how do I get client number two? Right? This, <laughs> is, this is this is client number one. How do how do I get client number two? So because you know, so so here's the thing that happens, and I think this happens to all of us. We say we want more freedom and flexibility. Then when we get freedom and flexibility, we look for something else to fill that time, right? So I'm working for, really working for this guy, but he, he's my client. He's paying me, he's paying me, but I'm really working for him like an employee with one day a week. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, all right, how do I, how do I get some more clients? And I kind of felt as if I was losing some of my skill sets. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't use it, you freaking lose it. So I'm sitting at home four days a week, like, what, what should I be doing here? And I remember picking up a book. And I remember looking at this book and this book was like, hey, you just, the best way to grow a business is just start making cold calls. So, you know. Do you I remember the title call. of that book? Oh, man. I, I, I don't because you know why I don't, Rich? It was the, it was, it made me commit entrepreneur suicide. And, uh, right, it, it made me going back looking for a job. That's how, that's, that's what that book did to me, right? Because <laughs> for me, right, uh, uh, I'm an introvert and I used to be an introvert as an excuse for so long to grow a business. And I'm like, hey, I'm an introvert. You know, I don't like to really just talk to people. And his book is saying, hey, make cold calls. And at that, that part of the time, I'm like, all right, I'm going to start making these cold calls. And I remember getting no answers, getting hangups, you know, but I remember getting on the phone with this one gentleman um, and to protect the integrity of my character, I can't repeat what he said, uh, but just know that it was blankety blank, 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 blank. Um, <laughs> don't actually call back here ever again. <laughs> so, click. And I said to myself, I do not know how to get another client. So what did I do? The, the best thing for me to do at that point in time you know, I went looking for another job. I said that, hey, I got this client on the side. I got all this free time. Let me go looking for another job. So I committed entrepreneur suicide, Rich. I don't wish this on no one. So I went, I went back to another firm. I uh, had a conversation with that firm. They let me take that one client what I, I was. At that time, when I took the one client, I was kind of lying to myself. I kind of told myself, oh, this is a merger. It wasn't a merger, Rich. I was like, this, this, this is a merger. I, I'm, I'm merging my practice. I have one client. This other guy had thousands of clients. So I'm like, hey, this is a merger. I'm merging my practice because the best thing I could tell myself at that point. And the reason why I did that, one of the things he said to me, he said, I'll teach you everything you need to know about um, selling and, and bringing in clients. And that's really what I wanted to hear, right? Um, and I was there for about three years and then, you know, this guy was like, hey, he, he didn't want to grow the firm. I had a conversation. I was like, hey, you know, are you looking to grow the firm? He's like, yeah, I'm not looking to grow the firm. I'm happy where it's at. So at that point, I knew I had no opportunity. So really, Rich, this is my second plunge out. Yeah. So this is about eight years ago now. This is the second plunge that I did. So 
it wasn't a straight and narrow walk for me. I didn't start and, and just keep going. I failed at it first, uh, but I was able to get back up and um, be where I'm at today now. Got it. So, all right. So you left that firm. You're like, all right, because I, I did the same thing. I worked for someone when I came out of law school, went on my own, had surgery. So decided, you know what? I don't want the stress of doing this. Went work for someone and then decided, you know what? I got, I got to be my own boss. Right? Yes. And it was probably yes, around the same yes. time too. So <laughs> you made a decision. You, you, that firm wasn't going to grow. You, you realized you got in your blood. You want to do your own thing. How did you get from there? to hear how did you start particularly because i think when you're talking about that maybe eight years ago you're saying a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. can relate um because i'm in year 10 of running my own practice and I, I i feel like i've had marginal growth from then until about two years ago I, i've had a, an uptick still not where i think i want to be no definitely not where i want to be but better than i was um so how did you start sourcing clients and what were you doing to then build your business out. Yeah. So when I was at that, when I was at the other firm, I had a transition plan that was in place. I had a side hustle. I was kind of moonlighting. So what I was kind of doing, um, I was building a side practice from my basement. So I was still working for the firm tax season. I probably had like, uh, when I, when I took the second plunge, I had about 200 clients that I was ah. doing tax work for. So I knew taking a second plunge that if anything, the tax season revenue right. would support the rest of my year. Yeah. So, so basically what I did, I built up that clientele and then I said, Hey, you know, peace out. So I knew I was secure with the tax season revenue that I would get. So that's kind of how I did it. And, 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 you know, to go out there, it was those yeah. tax clients. So fast forwarding to now, like you've been working, doing some bookkeeping in that time, but then you've mm -hmm. also like, you've really increased your, your spread into helping small businesses grow, strategize and grow. How did that evolve? And, and what does that look like working with you? Yeah, it, it, it's a great question. I, I think the way that evolved, it evolved organically, right? I remember, you know, meeting with clients and, you know, Rich, I'm, I'm the type of guy, Hey, you see something, you know, something, this person's a client. Um, if it's information, give it, give it to them. Um, a lot of people don't think that way. They're like, Hey, you know, I need to charge for that. So what I really begin to do for, for most of my clients, it was more than accounting work. It, it started to phase into management work and it was more like I was doing management consultants and it really clicked for me. I was in a conference room at one of my clients offices. Um, and one of the things that he said to his team, he says, uh, Will's just not our accountant. He's our advisor. So really clicked at that point that I was doing more of advisory role for this client. And, you know, that's where I really started investing heavenly. Hey, how can I really help them uh, behind the scenes on, on the management work? Um, so I begin to say, hey, what do we need to do? What are the problems that these clients are actually facing? Uh, when you say the bookkeeping part, the bookkeeping happened because one of the things I started seeing uh, in my clients' businesses, they usually had an office manager well, they had a bookkeeper, but they basically didn't understand how to pass the baton on to the next person, someone who can review those numbers and give them insight of those numbers. So what happened with the bookkeeping, I had team members who could do bookkeeping. So it was the first uh, piece of my business 
that I felt comfortable with letting go and let somebody else do the bookkeeping. So I, I began to turn that work over to my team. So what we were doing, when those clients were says, hey, I need to actually go out and look for another uh, administrator or bookkeeper, I said, hey, do you want us to actually do that for you? So that's how we got involved in the bookkeeping and, and growing out organically. It happened from our existing clients who was getting termination. And then what was happening, you know, they were paying someone 30000 40000 a year to do that stuff. And they still didn't understand the numbers. Right. So we were able to go in there, reduce that amount for them drastically, and then advise them on what those numbers actually meant. So it was just like a, a good fit for us. And then we said, oh, we're doing this internally for our existing clients. Let's go out to the market uh, and do this for other clients. Yeah. And so your role as an advisor, let's use the same parlance, as an advisor has, has grown with the clients you've worked with. Um, and so now is a large part of your focus is that be, being advisor more than like the bookkeeping is might be there, might not be there if it's this, but it's more about the advisor role and um, helping businesses and entrepreneurs scale, right? And then whether it's delegation, leadership, but strategize, create vision to grow, um, whether you're five figures, six figures, six figures, seven figures, right? Right, right, right. And and, and, and and that, Rich, right, I think the thing that's so complex about small business, when you ask a small business owner, um, everyone says they're a small business owner. What does that really mean? Um, and, and I think you got to look at it and you got to break it out into phases to really understand it. And I think the first stage, right, that you say a small business owner is that person who has a side gig um, or, you know, they still work for another firm, has a side gig in their transition. They're not, they're not full time. They're trying to make their way out. So that's, that's, that's a small business owner, right? Um, then you have the person who has walked away from there, um, and they're doing their business full time, but maybe they're making less than a hundred thousand, right? So that, that's another phase. Then you have the small business owner that has two to three employees, um, so they work for themselves. They got two to three employees. That's a that's another stage where they're probably making somewhere between a hundred thousand and three hundred thousand. Then you have the next phase that's probably somewhere between three hundred thousand and a million dollars of revenue. Then you have a million to five million, five million to twenty, and you know it goes all the way up to you know a hundred million dollars. They still consider a small business owner. Well, the guy who says, "Hey, I'm a small business owner," there is so much variation in yeah. there. And so many different issues that each of those stages deal with, that's totally different, right? So we got to pinpoint and say, hey, the small business, Rich, who do you want to talk about? Who's the small business that you want to talk about so we can be very specific and targeted? Got it. Um, let me ask you this, because I had yesterday a couple of conversations with people, um, solopreneurs, right? They, they run their own business. Some okay. of them are let's say brokers or so it's they're run they're operating underneath a broker house, but they're really um, independent contractors and whatnot. And the, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like the sentiment echoed throughout the conversation, same thing that I'm dealing with now. Hey, I thought I had my business was picked, you know, picked up things are going well the last couple of years, but all of a sudden we have to rethink what the heck we were doing from the get go because one month we're worried about paying rent or a mortgage. If you got that, we don't have any cash flow. Right. We don't have cash reserves, any of that. So what do you, let's, let's talk about the solopreneur or maybe the small business owner up until 10, 10 employees, something like that. Um, do you have any, Yeah. let's say your top 
three things that you see in, in the work that you do with, with business owners um, that they can implement today? They can start deploying that. It's not going to cost them a ton of money. They don't have to have revisit their budget or, or you know, not eat lunch for the rest of the year uh, to implement. Do you have any hacks to either mm-hmm. sort of become a better leader, systematize, or scale? Yeah. So when, when you talk about that solopreneur, I think one of the biggest issues that he's actually struggling with that's actually preventing him from, you know, breaking through that is their time, right? So what we got to think about from a leadership perspective, how do we actually get resources that's around that person so that they can actually leverage time? Uh, one of the things and one of the hacks that I would actually suggest here, we're, we're in a global economy. Now, the, the first thing, hey, can I pay for pennies on the dollars to use um, Upwork or Fiverr, right? To be able to delegate some of these things that I'm doing, right? And, and here's, the, here's the key thing. Um, I want to delegate things that I don't like doing, right? Uh, so I can get it off my plate. So the first thing is, well, let me, let me take a step back, right? I think it's critical for that business owner to understand themselves. So I guess the first hack there, Rich, I would say if you have 20 bucks that you can spend, right, um, go out and pick up a copy of the Strength Finders book, which comes with the assessment. What the assessment actually does when you look at Strength Finders, it's not really Strength Finders, it's really Potential Finders, right? So it shows you the potential. And it's, it's a reassurance, because you know this, you know this internally, you know yourself, but now reading on paper about yourself, right? So it basically sets you up to kind of undiscover yourself and what, what really you're really good at. Um, and the reason why I would start there, because I believe that if you can do what you love and do more of that, the business is going to take off. So 20 bucks, get the strength finders, do a self-assessment on yourself to see what you're great at. And then I would write a list of all the stuff I hate. And now how do I begin to move this stuff and delegate it? So I think the second step to that is look for these platforms um, that has people around the world that can do this work for pennies on the dollars. Um, or, you know, if you want a quality service, you don't want to deal with it, right? Look for us because we look to take that stuff off of small business on the plate if they hate doing the numbers part of it. You know, you outsource that stuff. Now it needs to make sense, right? If you're charging, you know, $200 for your time. And I think the challenge here is that, hey, do you have the, the pipeline now, right, with everything drying up? But if you're charging $200 for your time, is it worth paying someone else uh, 20 or 16 bucks to get something done? Uh, and if that is, you leverage that because that's what it's all about, leveraging the business. The other thing that I will look for there as far as hacks, man, just, just go into Google, man. You know, so many people are looking for an internship opportunity. Um, to utilize their free labor to get experience, right? So you as the business owner, you're filling a freaking really need for that person who may be working on their masters. Think about that, Rich. You got a person who's working on their masters in an area that you hate, that can get some real life experience, they're gonna get credit for it. You're gonna get production out of it and it won't cost you nothing, but they're getting a ton of value and you'll be able to delegate some of this stuff off your plate and give it to someone else, right? The, the challenge of that is that you need to be a place that you can lead, right? I think that's where most small businesses fall down. 
because they don't know how to work with someone else, right? And, and, and this becomes a growth tool, right? I, listen, Rich, I think there is no greater vehicle to grow your personal self through small business. That's why I love small business so much. But it's going to challenge that person to grow themselves because now they need to lead that intern. And if they can't lead that intern, they're not going to get the results that they want. So it's double women. But that's a way for free labor. It's the Upwork. It's those platforms. It's those fiber. How can I delegate some of this stuff to other people? Um, that's another hack that I would actually utilize um, to get some of that stuff moving. And then, you know, what type of technology can I put into place that will do some of this work for me? Right? How do I, how do I make this systematic? So for me, you know, if you're, if you're a person who's actually, you know, by yourself growing a business, go out and find an app, right? That you can actually snap a picture of someone's business card and then automatically it's going to send a follow-up email thanking them for meeting you, which is costing you pennies on the dollars, but you don't have to take the time to draft the email. You freaking hard code it. And this way, now you're building you know, a simple marketing system says, hey, this is how I'm actually following up my clients. So I would say, use technology, look for interns, look for these outsource, um, you know, and, and possibly in other countries, if they're going to, if that works for your business, if you can do that. And that's three things as a solopreneur I look for, because I think it's all about delegating things and getting things off your plate from a time perspective. So you can focus on the high ticket items to actually grow that business. That was, that was hugely valuable, especially the part about leadership, because I, I think about that as well, even the simple thing of, of using an answering service or, or coming to hire. And I've never examined it through the lens of whether or not I'm comfortable in myself to lead someone else to be part of my business. And I, you know, again, you said it from the beginning, from the jump of this conversation, that um, the thing that matters, that you see matters first, or that you should take a step back on is is examining yourself as a, as a business owner, your leadership skill set, which is, it's, it's so fascinating. There's one more thing I want to ask you before we start wrapping up. Um, mm -hmm. Because there's this concept of fake it till you make it. And I was mm. having, I was listening to something recently um, about normalization and how business owners, the recommendation was as follows. If you're a business owner and you are seeing success, you should deploy changes in your life, whether business, personal, to reflect those changes. And one of their recommendations was actually, hey, if you're making, if you went from making five figures a year to six figures a year, buy another car. Buy a new car, whether or not you need mm -hmm. it or not. How do you think, and I, I, I really believe that you, you've, you've got to feel yourself into the person that you want to be. One of them might be a, a leader, right? How, do you have any suggestions or help for people, let's say the business owners you work with, if one of the goals is be a better leader, besides reading books or whatnot, right? Because you can read a book. Um, mm -hmm. How does that look mm -hmm. in practice to sort of normalize and come into being the person that you think a business owner has the vision of themselves? Yeah, that, that's a great, great question. I, I think it's a lot of, it, it's a deep question uh, because I think it's a spiritual question. 
and I think David Dieter, you know, said it correctly. Uh, one of the things he says, spiritual growth is a deeper understanding of knowing yourself. So I think into I anchor in, you know, what is my purpose? Um, and the reason I'm here to do, you know, we'll go and sell anything and everything to somebody, right? But when you begin to grow yourself and you begin to understand that that is not an avenue that I want to trade my time for dollars, right? Real, be real honest with you, Rich. Hey, I can go and sell uh, a few things to different people. But the truth about it, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be happy doing that, right? So we, we have to look at where the business is at and what we're willing to do, right? I had a tax practice where I had 200 people that was calling me a year saying, where's my refund? And I felt as if it wasn't my purpose to take call for phone calls and says, hey, your, your $2,000 refund is going to be in your account tomorrow. So what did I do? I, I, I terminated all those, those clients because it wasn't a good fit for me anymore. You know, I wanted more meaningful relationships. I wanted to connect with my clients more than just on a once a year basis. Just think if you showed up from today and I saw you next year and we were catching up on a year of activities. That wasn't a relationship that I wanted anymore. I wanted my relationships to be more meaningful. So me as a person said that, hey, I'm not going to do that work anymore because it's not meaningful or it's not fulfilling to me. So I want to be in a place that every waking moment I can do what I love. And every waking moment to do what I love comes from an understanding of you first need to know yourself. And, and that takes time to get there. That takes a lot of self-reflecting. And I, I think so the one thing that you said is that, hey, let's not just read a book, right? Let's, let's be practical. I think one of the best ways to do that is with community, right? How do I put myself in a community with other people, other peers that I can talk about and be authentic with, right? So I think that the community part is a huge part that, you know, um, that we need to understand that we don't grow uh, in isolation, Right, that's one of the things my past said. We don't grow in isolation; we grow in community. How do I get myself in a room of people that I may possibly be the dumbest person in the room, and now I need to stretch myself to raise to the level of um, professionalism that these other people in the room have or don't have? And and they sharpen me. It's like iron sharpens iron. How do I get myself in a, in a community to be shopping? Like, hey, you, you know, B&I, we do that every Tuesday. You know, I'm around a table with 50 other people who have different perspectives, different mindsets that I'm just learning for. Um, and now if I can do it in a structured environment that there is a common goal, it means you say, hey, this is what we want to accomplish together and we're in agreement to do that, that Rich, you're able to support me, I'm able to support you. I think being a part of a mastermind group is the greatest thing I can do because I'm getting more out of it than me. I got the room of resources that share it. And the whole intent is everybody is locked in to help me grow. Will, my man, you are, you are a wizard, a wizard. Thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. That was absolutely filled with nuggets. Um, I'm sure that anyone audience member or not, um, that comes across this podcast, this video, they're going to glean a lot from it. Uh, how can, before I let you go, how can people contact you, reach you, uh, become a part of your community? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the best way for them to do that, Rich, hey, if they just want to actually give me a call, that's the first thing um, to chat with them. Uh, they can call me anytime. Office number is 877-635-6468. Um, a better option, you know, everything that's actually happening right now with COVID-19. Uh, my team has actually built resources, um, built videos to actually explain those different programs. Um, they can actually go to my, uh, my portal uh, and actually opt into there, totally free, and they can see the information there. That portal is, it's grow, uh, it's grow precise, grow precise, I got to think about this for a second, Rich, is grow precise uh, backslash uh, customerhub.net. And if I get that wrong, Rich, I'll send you the link right after this call if I got That's that That's what I'm saying. We'll, we'll link it up in the show notes. Not a problem. Make sure everyone gets to the right place. Um, awesome. Right. Awesome. Perfect. Perfect. Well, my friend, thank you so much. This was absolutely incredible and empowering. Again, for me personally, kind of selfishly, um, I'm always learning things like that. And, and even that the small tip about you know putting leadership first to, to really see, examine why I'm not making choices to grow my business. Thank you so much for your insight and help. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm sure lots of people are going to enjoy and take a lot from this episode. Rich, thanks so much for having me, man. You have an amazing day. Okay. All right, man. Take care.